but he was uh, just unhinged about this car. Oh, really? Running the yellow light. And he's like, hand up in the air, like, oh, shaking and doing the, the old man fist shake at it. And I was just so amused by it that I didn't care that Lucky was in the backseat. And he yelled out the window, I go, hey, take it easy. You're going to have a heart attack. And he turned at me and he was like, fist in the air. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I've been selling my soul. Working all day. Overtime hours. Bullshit pay. So I can sit out here and waste my life away. Right back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame. What the world's got me to. People like me. People like you. Wish I could just wake up and not be true. But it is. I think some apologies are in order. All politics, uh, cultural zeitgeist, um, widening chasm of ideology, divisiveness, everything, whatever word you want to throw on the wall. All that aside, just musically, that is a phenomenal song. I know. Yeah, it was really, really good. Dude, that guy woke up one morning. He lives, like, off the grid yeah. in fucking, I don't know, Arkansas or something. He woke up one morning, and he was one, filthy the most fucking fam- rich. <laughs> the most famous people in the world. Did you see he, when the, well, the dust didn't settle, but did you see or read his, I think he put, like, a Facebook post out? No. Just trying to explain, like, who Oliver he, Anthony, who he, by the way. Oliver Anthony, yes. Yeah. Uh, Richmond, north of Richmond. Yeah. Um, which apparently... The idea that there is a political elite class that is taking advantage of the country financially sends half the country into a mad rage, which I would really love explained to me. Well, you're getting fucked too. Like, I don't know why you're upset. It's uh, it's just one more fucking thing. You remember how last week I was talking about how positive I was feeling and how how much like yeah i was just i was just kind of waiting for that storm to blow over <laughs> dude well i'm actually going to talk more about that okay today um now don't don't think for a second that I, i'm i'm saying that we're in for some really good times okay i'm not saying that no shit is going to suck for a while i think but i have a lot of optimism um you have to have at least a little bit or you just go insane yeah and if you were only optimistic well, i would just think you're a crazy person yeah i'm up i'm mean, very realistic all about balance you know <laughs> that's, what, that's what you keep telling me uh dude before we get into it though i came across a couple of clips that i had to play for you okay um videos if you will 
Have you seen this gem? This is uh, San Francisco. Oh, Once I again, after back-to-back -back crashes involving cruise cars last night in San Francisco, one of those accidents involving a city fire truck. KTVU's Zach Sauce has been following this story. <laughs> the story. The, the city's of the fire chief has raised concerns quickly. about this exact kind of incident. Yeah, that's right. That San Francisco fire truck, it was it collided with a cruise car last night. It was actually on the way to an emergency call when it happened and questions now being raised about why that robo taxi wasn't able to stop before it was too late. Wouldn't that the aftermath of a crash right involving a San Francisco. Fire yeah. So oh. these are, are these. So I saw this headline and I didn't fully understand it. I had no idea that cruise was a. I actually thought the article was about Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. If it doesn't make sense. Celia Cruise. So I'm um, assuming these are driverless driverless cars? Yes. And this is like... It's uh, a service. Like a taxi service. Okay, gotcha. Well, it did. the fire truck uh, would go right through it, but the thing is is that the fire truck was not just careening through cars that night. Oh, okay. This car backed <laughs> into the fucking fire truck. Oh, really? On its own. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I what I heard. Maybe, maybe so, it's anti-state. <laughs> it's programmed to be anti-state. I don't think so. I think it's quite <laughs> communist. I uh, I was thinking about it because we were at Los Tres Chiles last night, just me and the boy, and this this came on the TV in there. And I, I was, was like, so bummed when I got your text because I went. I was out running errands, and I just, I decided to restring my guitar for like first time in fifteen years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of guitar lately. I'd oh, all right. Well, that makes dust sense. Dust off the old axe. And um, speaking of axe, the next clip is gonna <laughs> get good. Blow you away. But uh, I was like, my wife wanted ceviche. I was like, I know this place is like close by. Let me just run in there. And I was like, we all know where the real Mexican food is. You uh -huh. gotta go to the other side of town. And it's like, I just I'm not in the mood to like drive around right now. And the stuff we got, I was like eating it. I was like, I should have went over the right side of town. And then I got your text. I was like, God dang it, man. Ah. Feeling. Bummer. Failing. Can you hear my mic okay? Yeah. I sound all right? Yeah. The sound is screwed up, those, uh, those of you listening from home. It's not our fault. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm sitting there watching it at the, at the Mexican restaurant, and I was thinking to myself, like, I just, I can he already hear someone telling, well, statistically, uh, driverless cars get in fewer accidents, <laughs> and it's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care if statistically the driver's driverless car is, is safer. If I'm going to go down a fiery car crash, I want it to be at the hands of my fellow human, right. not a fucking robot. Yes. I'm I'm a total humanist that way. I'm I, sorry. I'm with you on that one. I don't care that Is this your optimism? I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know that the asshole that killed me and my family was drunk or angry at his chick or just a terrible driver or hated white people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want it to know that it was just some cold, soulless machine that was just like, must reverse. <laughs> The computer told him that um, the computer told itself that my kid was a green light. It <laughs> <laughs> only that's, looked like a green yeah. light. I, it's, been, it's been nothing but pain and sorrow ever since. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah I'm, any I'm technology pretty... like that. It's, it's like a dog that someone's walking past you. Mm -hmm. I always tell my kid to be like avoid the dog yeah we don't know that dog absolutely there's no chance that that scrawny crackhead lady that's walking the dog is going to be able to control that dog if it gets in its head that mm -hmm. that you look like a green light 
right. in that situation. So just stay the fuck away from the dogs. Same you, with driver's list. You driver's just list. described my old neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, <clears throat> it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about old Uncle Ted and, oh, yeah? you know, very, very anti-technology uh, industrial society in its future because yes. I was discussing it with a friend. And I was actually thinking about driverless cars because I benefit a lot through technology. This, you know, we can't do this. You know, it can, totally. I need my phone for work. If I didn't have to work, I would ditch my phone in a second. I don't think I'd even have a flip phone. I'd get like a landline with an answering machine. Oh, but then I dude, did, do you remember the days of the answering yes, machine? Yes. God, those were golden our era. Old, our old college house where you you punch in the code for each different roommate. So push three for the so-and-so and push four for so-and-so. That was even more advanced than we had that in my was, house. In yeah, my yeah. house, it, you yeah, just we left were, a message we, for everybody. Yeah, we were uptown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It was like, hey, Jessica, it's Kelly. Uh, give me a call when you are when you get this or one of her roommates if you happen to get this. Uh, unless it's uh, that uh, Debbie. Yeah, I know you don't like me. I don't like you either, <laughs> right? But if you just please pass the message on, thanks. Beep. Hey, Dennis, look these notes. Click. <laughs> I remember my uh, my girlfriend in college. We were uh, sitting at home watching a movie, and she had the uh, they had the answer machine. And this guy was obsessed. They just hooked up with a roommate, and he was not playing his cards well as a man. And so we were watching a movie, and you could hear the answer machine because it was like one of those open air kind of kitchen living room things. And the phone rings, and and we're laying on the couch, and we're like, just let that answer machine get us. And he goes like, Dee. he's like. Hey, it's me. I just, I love you oh, no. so much. I just, I can't, I can't get you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like went on. I was like, looking at the answer. Like, what the This f- is like, happening live? Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you pick it up at that point? Like, no, we're watching. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we're watching the movie. I'm listening. I'm looking at my girlfriend. I'm like, dude, like, keep a little closer to the vest. Yeah. Phone rings again. And then he's like, I just can't. Oh, just, no. Yeah. Oh, God. And on the fourth time, I picked up the phone. I was like, dude, she's not fucking here. Oh. And I was like, get yourself together. I was so pissed. Oh, that poor bastard. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Hey, have you heard of the book, uh, The Fourth Turning? No. By uh, Neil Howe? No. So, it was mentioned to me twice yesterday, mm-hmm. um, randomly. Once by Mike, and it was... Mentioned in, uh, Clint Russell mentioned it in offhand in his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, the last episode of Liberty Lockdown, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which if you made it through, the, if you made it through the first half, you are a patriot. That was a saint. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> you deserve an award. <laughs> I was driving to work. I was like, I just, I can't handle this right now. I, I kept wanting to turn it off and I just, but I, I can't start the day off. I can't start the day off angry. (laughs) Or quitting. So you got to just go through it. (laughs) Anyways, it's uh, it's an interesting book. It's about generations and how um, every, like, fourth generation, basically every lifetime, there's, like, a a cycle. Right. And we go through the same shit over and over again. And he was bringing that up within the context of monetary supply, right? If I remember correctly. Uh, Because they were talking about the dollar collapsing. And I think he was... Well, it was a, a someone had written to him, I think, yeah. mentioning the book. Right. Yeah, in that... Yeah, I think so. About yeah. the, Well, it was about the society collapsing, about this, mm-hmm. this great crisis that we're about to go through. It does seem like we're about to go through something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd have to yes. have your head pretty deep in the sand and not think that, that was accurate. Um, I read through it yesterday just with, with the Blinkist app. Mm-hmm. And then listen to an interview with him today, 
the, the author mm-hmm. talking about it. And now, like, it's hard for me not to think of things in terms of generations. Yeah. And the answer machine thing made me think of that. Like, that's just something that we'll always have. But yeah. Um, speaking of generations and crises that we're about to go through, this is a 60-year-old Is that holding an axe? Yeah. This is a nice. United Airlines pilot. <laughs> really? Yep. So this gentleman, um, I guess is, you could just say is fed up. Mm-hmm. He's had enough. He yeah. was waiting in his car to Straight leave. up falling down. He, big time. Yeah. That's exactly what this is. He was waiting to leave, was tired of it taking so long to get the cars out of the parking lot. And so he said he just reached his breaking point and he got a fucking axe and he went to town on the, uh, the parking guard, gate. The, the gate at the this parking man gate. is a hero. I will say this though the 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 news reporter who's about to talk about it misses one detail. Okay. Uh, God, I almost I almost uh, just in the in the in that he's wearing a purple plaid suit. In the suit. interest <laughs> in the interest of being you know totally honest and truthful here on Liberty Tree Podcast because that's what we stand for. Mm-hmm. Homeboy never getting one word wrong through didn't, the entire podcast. Exactly, and accuracy. And accuracy. accuracy is our number one goal. Here. Exactly. That's our hallmark. <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that Jake... Quality is our gimmick here. <laughs> Jake called you out for making that mistake again. And I thought, this must be what it's like to be, like, really famous. And, like, you know, you go through the comments on after a podcast or right. the, the everything. It's just all, like, just hate, hate, hate. Like, ah, you suck. Totally got this wrong. And, like, we have that. You know, we're kind of... We know what that's like already. We're prepared for that moment when We've we arrived. do get famous. Yeah, exactly. We've arrived. It's only one guy. But still, so this steps. this pilot goes and gets the axe, and the axe has a protective like sheath on it, mm-hmm. and he doesn't take the sheath uh, off, okay. and then realizes why it's not working. Yeah, then he takes it off. The reporter here, he's got the, he's got the safety part. on still. Exactly. The United Airlines pilot is facing charges after he used an axe to hack off a parking lot gate arm at DIA. Whole thing was caught on camera. There he goes. There's pilot, sixty-three year old guy, walks up to the parking arm and wham. Starts chopping away. A little break. You see right there, we had to the take the yeah. cover off. <laughs> Back at it. Choppity chop. Until that gate arm falls off. Pilot walks away. Axe in hand. Eventually, two airport employees wrestle the axe away. The pilot told police he, quote, hit his breaking point. He's trying to leave. He didn't want to wait behind the other vehicle, so he decided to make his own exit with the axe. The pilot was charged with criminal mischief. United Airlines says they removed the pilot from the schedule. And he will be. Yeah, up. no shit. So, <laughs> just my own personal bias. Uh, I think this can integrate into free driving. Uh huh. Um, I I have a vast appreciation for this guy's actions. Yes. However, to be in the in the you know <laughs> in the spirit of fairness, probably wouldn't want him piloting my plane. No, I think it's a good thing that uh, after hitting his breaking point, his words, mm-hmm. that he's not on the schedule yeah. anymore. <laughs> but dude, I'm just trying to be fair to both sides here. Is this not like a total falling down? Yes. Moment. It is like, what the fuck? This guy just a pilot. I mean, anyone that's flown recently knows the bullshit that's happening with airlines, right? Every flight is delayed. Planes are running into trucks on the runway Women are seeing invisible lizard people on the planes themselves. See, I like her too. There is, <laughs> there is the 
difficulty in flying has gone since you and I were flying before 9-11. Mm-hmm. Like the difference between yeah. flying before 9-11 and today, used, it's got to be a thousand times yeah, worse. I used to fly, when 9-11 happened, I was flying a lot. So I was flying a lot before and flying even more after. And it was maddening, maddening the, just the, it's, well, it's the same thing as the COVID stuff. It's the theater. That's what enrages me. It's like this, we all know this is stupid, right? Like, why am I taking my shoes off and my belt? Like, what's what's yeah. really, what's really going to happen here? Yeah. Because, well, that one guy lit his shoe on fire. And he did what? Nothing. His shoe, like, smoldered out, and you took him off the plane. And here we are 20 years later, all taking our, you're taking my kid's shoes off and, like, looking at the bottom of his feet. It's like, who is this for? Not to mention, <clears throat> you guys, you guys self-test your, the TSA, you guys self-test yourself. And some, like, 90% of, like, weapons get through. So right. you guys aren't even good at the stupid theater that you are doing anyway. Right. So I was like, can we just drop this dog and pony show in this just theater? just make it easier and yes. fun again? I refuse to fly. I just don't fly anymore. I am staring down the barrel of having to fly to Florida soon, and I am doing, like, racking my brain to come up with a way to get out of it. Yeah. And uh, see, my wife I, I said, don't, my wife is playing a trip. She said, uh, you want to go to Hawaii? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, actually, no. Are we want- sailing? <laughs> yeah, I don't want yeah, to go. Why would you ask me? Why not? It's just like, I don't want to fly. I don't want to get on the, it's not actually flying. Also, it's not just the airlines and just the just complete failure of their system and the, and the delayed flights and the ridiculous security and the way you get treated. It's also other people. Like yeah. That behavior is unhinged right now. I know. I wish I, wish I had it. There's a great uh, pilot that gets on, um, speaking of other heroes that are also pilots, he got on the intercom, you know, is your pilot speaking, blah, blah, blah. And he gave this just like straight up layman's rundown of like what behavior. He's like, don't put your feet up on the seats. Keep your shoes on. He's like, don't act like an animal. <laughs> He's like, be respectful to the person. The person in the middle, they get the, they get the armrest. Technically, those are our, <laughs> those are theirs. You know what I mean? And like, just basic like what you would consider like decent behavior. Fifteen years ago, it's like, in- you mean something that you wouldn't have to say out loud? Right. Right. Yeah. On a fucking intercom. Don't don't take your shoes off and then put your feet out like on the on the guy's armrest in front of you. So <laughs> this this fucking pilot that chopped off the gate is that same pilot. Yeah. He's reached his breaking point. Right. He cannot handle it anymore. And it's not it's the airline's fault, it's the government regulations fault, it's the parents of these loser people <clears throat> that do put they take their shoes off and put their feet up on the seat. It's the it's this total breakdown of society yeah. and it's what oliver anthony is alluding to in his right. song and it's what we're all feeling yeah right there, there, there's a general kind of theme of like we're just sick of this shit we're exactly just, we're sick of things not working and it's being obvious that things are just crumbling apart to an increasing degree and you see it looking around you and eventually people snap so it could be in the form of a really catchy bluegrass like country song or it could be uh taking out an axe uh, removing the safety and then chopping down <laughs> the parking gate. So I have been um, on this high lately thinking about why it just seems to me like we're winning. Mm-hmm. I started talking about on the last episode, uh, the list of things that I got wrong and uh, the other list that I have going of all the wins mm-hmm. that are happening right now. The own goals, you call it. Yeah, the own goals. Yeah, right. And I've added some more to the list. And I think that this is, what's happening is 
the the zeitgeist. So the people are being awakened to what's going on mm-hmm. around them, and I think that. And I originally said that you know this is the the fault of the internet. The internet has made it so that we can't have the wool pulled over our eyes mm-hmm. anymore. But I think that that's funny. I was, I was having a discussion about that this week too. I think that without the internet, a hundred years ago, people also would wake up to things because they they could have the wool pulled over their eyes, but the people that are doing the wool pulling, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. don't have the technology either that of the internet or the you know there there's this kind of arms race that's been going on of uh trying to deceive people and people's ability to perceive the deception oh yeah that's, that's been over time yeah right and so you know i think for us now the internet is like this main weapon that we have to mm-hmm. to be awakened to these things um and i think that just to just to highlight what i have on my list right here um Censoring on Twitter. Right. Total backfire. Yeah. It did work for the time being, but now when all that came out, everyone's going like, oh, like, ding, like, wake up call. It's especially if you're wired to be contrarian, which you are, and I am. Yes. And I've always, I mean, since I was 12 years old, like, what is this thing that I'm not supposed to see? Like, I'm interested in it. And I wouldn't have found out. You know, not to, you know, we always reference the COVID pandemic, but you find out about people like Peter McAuliffe and Robert Malone, all these people doing like, why were they kicked off Twitter? Like, I need, I want to know that because you know we run a loose rule of like, you anyone that censors someone else is never on the right side of history. Like after all is said and done, when the dust settles and we look back in hindsight, and though all those people that were deplatformed, which is pretty much every podcast that I listen to has been deplatformed to some extent, you mm-hmm. know, off, off, you know. You know Due to the hand, you know, big tech and their collusion with the government, which makes them not a private business. By the way, mm-hmm. is you know you don't hear that. I don't. People like to throw around like, "Well, it's private business; they should do whatever they want." I was like, "Not when they were working with the government to platform Alex Berenson for some, you know, mm-hmm. for for example, when the State Department goes like, we, why is this guy still on Twitter? He needs to be off Twitter.' Like, we have the emails, which are apparently is rushing disinformation. By the way, but." Point being is like when you see someone deplatformed, like we we want to hear all of the ideas. Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant, is what we always say. It's like put it all out there. If it's a bad idea, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you want to have a white power march down Main Street, like yeah, let them have it. And everyone's gonna look at it and go like, yeah, like fuck, fuck these people, right? <laughs> like clearly, yeah, you don't like censor them because then you go like, well shit, why are they being censored? I want to hear what they have to say. Did you see the latest that Glenn, you're a statist, that Glenn Beck was pulled off of uh, Apple? No, it wasn't. Podcast? It? Yeah. Oh, his podcast was deplatformed from Apple. Any specific reason or just general uh, contrarianism? He put out a video about it. And uh, in the video, they said, uh, You're, you know, very polite. Like, uh, your <clears throat> podcast has been pulled because of the violation of our terms. Click here to, uh, or go here to community get, standards, get more details. Mm-hmm. And they go to the link and it says, your podcast has been pulled down from <laughs> Apple Podcasts. It's like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that detailed explanation. But yeah, Apple now is censoring them. And uh, Dave Smith was talking about it, just came out today, I think, where they're like saying, here it comes because the like, yep. election's getting close. They're going to be ramping up the yep. censorship again. But because of this own goal, we all are now seeing this yeah. so clearly. Yeah. Right? When that song comes out or The Sound of Freedom 
the movie comes mm-hmm. out, um, and we see that it's succeeding wildly. I am a perfect example of that. We I, all, you're a perfect example I of that? I do not watch movies, and then yeah. I heard about that. I'm like, I should probably check that out. Exactly. Yeah. And so we have this, this situation where all of us are actually experiencing the world differently than how we're told it's being yeah. experienced. You know, it's like, like Joy Reid telling us that the left has won the culture war. The Alice in Wonderland tactic. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And so all this is happening. So another example is the Let's Go Brandon. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a sensation that swept the nation. It was so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> as far as an iconic kind of cultural marker, that Let's Go Brandon movement is the exact same as North Man, uh, Richmond, North of Richmond. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's like it just strikes a chord for all these people of like, I'm, I'm just so sick of this shit. And it's so obvious that this is all falling apart. And you take that with the combination of that the the gatekeepers, the purveyors, you know, traditionally of information. I'm using my finger quotes there. Is we're seeing the death roll as we just talk about of the mainstream media uh, establishment, which yeah. is part of the state, which is part of the cathedral, which works in collusion with you know basically the deep state. Yeah, you know, like here's the narrative. This is what we're talking about. Um, we're all in agree. We need to get Trump out of office, right? Okay, go. You guys, you guys know what to do, right? And then you have roughly half the country going like, "This is this is ridiculous." Come, I as we say it, they walk up the front door test. I'm like, it does not. It's not congruent with the information, finger quotes, that I'm being given, like right. force fed down the throat on every single major media platform. Yeah, and that's what drives people to go to anything from Joe Rogan to Dave Smith to Jordan Peterson to you know, down, 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 you know, you, then you get into like rumble and you're like last American vagabond. And it's like, there's all this other information yeah. or at least perspectives being put out there that are not given any kind of major media platform or to do their own research or do their own social experiments or do their right. own, you know, just, I guess, walk out the front door test or, you know, just lick right. your finger and put it in the wind and, and see for yourself. Like maybe life isn't what the internet tells me mm-hmm. life is. Yeah. As ironic as that is that the internet, I was just saying a second ago, actually, gives us all this information that, yeah. you know, cues us into what's actually going on. Uh, the Bud Light and Target protests, kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is getting more and more popular. He's going to yes. win the election from prison. With every indictment. How about calling everything racist? Yeah. I mean, have we, we had a game going where, have we found any, what's the most ridiculous thing that we found? Because we, in our text thread, we were saying, like, can anyone name anything that isn't racist? And anything anyone named, there was an we article. We haven't been able to find one yet. Camping, milk, gardening. Waking up early. Waking up early. Uh, having, um, having a garden was another one. Growing your own food. It's like, you can find actual, or like, in uh, acad- academia, coming yeah. out, academia articles saying like, yeah, this is why this is racist. The best one that we found so far that I found last week is that back-to-back articles that I sent you guys is the first one is that um, climate change, uh, the effects of climate change are exacerbated in your urban centers. Uh, therefore, that makes climate change racist. So the effects of climate change are racist. Mm-hmm. And then I found another article that says cold weather is racist. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so it's it's one of these. You guys, I don't know. I guess you decide. I just... I. I'm starting to think that this is an equation that's not meant to be solved. Uh, you know, it's ironic. The the one article you won't find about who isn't or who is racist is the people that are actually pretty fucking racist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they will go unnamed. There's also that. <laughs> okay, this one's dark, but how about the tranny shooting up the school and then all of the outrage being about how we were being too mean to the tranny? Yeah. 
That's that was ridiculous. These things have caused this major wake up call mm-hmm. for people, and people are waking up to it. Government tyranny, big pharma dominance of our lives, fucking people pulling their kids out of public schools mm-hmm. and going to private schools or homeschooling. Over five million people at this point have chosen to put their kids in some kind of homeschool program. So I see this, which is a good thing because there are more lockdowns coming. By the way. Uh, Yes, there are. And this, I just found those. Uh, remember I was telling you about the toilet papers from like China yeah. or wherever they were? I don't even think they're from China. I think they're from like Eastern Europe. I just found them in my garage. <laughs> these cute little rolls. And I was like, these are like, I have to hold on to this forever. It's this, a memento. Is this memento yeah. from the COVID lockdowns. That's why I still wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to, I just want to remind everyone that if, you get caught with your pants down mm-hmm. on the next line of uh, Met- lockdowns. Metaphorically. Yes, or figuratively, <laughs> actually. Um, that's on you. Get prepared. Yeah. Go to Cash and Carry or whatever your bulk food place is nearby where the restaurants go. Buy a big fucking 50-pound or two 50-pound bags of beans. Yeah. Get a couple of huge bags of rice. Store some food. Start a garden if you can. Buy... Buy toilet paper, get two huge things of toilet paper and never touch them and just then get another one and mm-hmm. use that one, right? Do do this stuff. Think now about the last... We have an example of just a few years ago of what happened when everything was locked down. Keep that in your mind. There's no excuse for being caught without a gun, without ammo, without all the toilet paper that you can fucking stuff don't, into your garage. Don't be that guy when society falls apart like it did in 2020 that texts me and asks to borrow a gun. No, you cannot borrow a gun. <laughs> Not in this state. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, being prepared and kind of the hysteria, the ensuing hysteria that kind of surrounds, you know, things like the COVID lockdown is I had a great situation. I went down to the store to get stuff for dinner and um, big strong mask game still going on. But this, this lady was not wearing a mask but she was wearing uh, one of those like sleeveless jackets, like a Patagonia or whatever, for some reason, because it was like eight. Aren't those vests? Vests, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the word. laughs> um, looks just like a vest. It's got no, yeah. got no arms <laughs> on it. It zip, zips up, yeah. But she walked by me, and she had all the... Uh, I don't believe that stereotyping is bad. I'm looking at her like, she looks like a pain in the ass to me. Mm-hmm. And when she walked by me, I don't have any like real like allergies. Like I don't get allergies like from pollen, you know, in the spring or whatever, like when we have allergy season or whatever, but there is a certain kind of like perfume that sets me off that I will just start sneezing. Uh, and I walk by her and her perfume set me off. Huh. And I'm like by her in the store and I'm like, oh, like shit, I could, I could feel it coming on. So I put my stuff down so I could cover my mouth and I'm like sneezing. And I was like, I, it, you know, this will last for like 30 seconds and I'll be done with it. And as I started sneezing, she looked behind me and oh, just glared at me. Tell me she was offended. Yeah, she was super oh, she, no, yes. she was pissed. <laughs> she took her stuff because she had put her stuff on the conveyor belt and she shoved it all like into the other person's thing. And she took the the whatever the collar of her vest and like wrapped it around. Oh, her mouth. because your germs were oh right. my and god. She's just like glaring. She kept turning around and like glaring at me. And then she went oh, outside. It's your fault, bitch. Yeah, she's like walking out of the store and she turned around. She's just like glares at me, like full, like turned her whole body around to make it she was doing it, like making it like super obvious. Like How I have a problem. What happens to you and not me? And then she went to her car and she just sat there in her car and stared at me because I walked down. It's only like a block from the house, whatever. And I just wasn't having it. 
you know, I, I was so close to like going to her and like, it's your fucking perfume. It, it made me start sneezing. By the way, it's, I'm just sneezing. It happens all the time. Like, take it easy. Like, just relax. Ugh. And I just, uh, God, I, I wish he had said that. <laughs> I was like, I just, I'm not going to, whatever. People like that are lost. Like, I'm not going to get in a conversation with someone like that. <sighs> Too bad. The podcast really wishes you would. Yeah. So I'm listening to this song yesterday. And I mean, that song will bring a tear to your eye. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's powerful. And I'm thinking all of this, all of these own goals are just stacking up. Like they, there's nothing they can do that doesn't work against them at this point. Yeah. It's because what they're doing is in a defiance of everyday reality that most people that don't are licking boots and drinking Kool-Aid just walk out like, is it, what you're saying doesn't make and sense. And that wave is cresting. Right, yeah. and it's going to break yeah. eventually, and, and just, crash onto the like shore. That parking gate. Yes, that <laughs> parking gate was a, a very metaphorical video. <laughs> That's why. Thank you for picking up on that. That's why I played it. And I just, I'm thinking, like, uh, we are. If this is a cold civil war or something, Tim Pool might say, um, we're winning it right now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you that on TV. Yeah, but the tide is turning. Oh, Every time this stuff comes out into the media, it's just like it's a home run. People just are totally enamored by it. They're addicted to hearing the truth. Mm-hmm. When something like this song comes out, it's like a it just everyone is activated by it. Yeah. But here's there's a problem I see. Okay. Well, it's I mean it's not a problem, but the, I see this going in one way. We're all going to be in a gulag anyway, so it's not going to matter. I don't know. I, I think that there, honestly, I think that there is potential for violence in our future, because I think we have slowly kind of crept into that area. Because the the people that are in charge right now are throwing hail marys mm-hmm. every day, like everything that they're trying, it just gets more and more ridiculous. Yeah. Right, and it is a little bit of that Alice in Wonderland thing where they just they they do it on purpose so that we are um, confused by the world that we live in. Absolutely. But it's also they are desperate. I right? Look at how the things absolutely. are stacking up against them just legally. Yeah. So you know the 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 corruption of the Biden administration is one thing. Um, the persecution of Donald Trump is another thing, mm-hmm. and these are basically the two parties that are vying for power mm-hmm. right now. If one of them wins, they're going to crush the other. Yeah, it's it's going to be complete Machiavellianism. It's going to be crazy, I think. If Don, Donald Trump has said out loud that if he wins, he is going to go after the people that were persecuting. Everyone's out for him. blood right now. Yeah. And the people that are in power now are already pe- persecuting Donald Trump. And it's not just about Biden and Joe Trump or... <laughs> is that the Freudian slip? Long uh, lost <laughs> two party illusion is um, two party two party illusion. Freudian slip was the name of my jam band. I don't know if, you, <laughs> if, if, if you're it's good. It's a long like yeah, all of all yeah, of your songs. I gotta, I gotta break it up into an acronym, I think. But it's those. It's not just about those two people or even those two parties. That those two. What's going on now? That palpable kind of desperation. And the, the threat of like just Machiavellian, like we are going to hammer whoever loses, yeah. is representative of, of a sentiment that I think is palpable throughout the entire country right now. I think that the, uh, the honestly, the, the only hope, it, I'll just say that if Vivek Ramaswamy mm-hmm. was somehow by some miracle able to win this election, mm-hmm. we that is a third option that might not lead to violence. But 
that's a pretty long shot right now. Seems to be the most rational person <laughs> even interested in the job right now. I think he's by far the best candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's he's a long shot. I don't think I don't see that happening at this point. But you never know. But it's not really the point of me bringing this. I didn't really want to talk about Vivek mm-hmm. as much as the danger of of this civil war is real because right. as soon as some violence breaks out. There are going to be sides that form. Right. And you're going to have to either be with them or against them. As much as you and I are not Trump supporters. <laughs> you're not? <laughs> I'm not either. If, the, if violence somehow breaks out over the next couple of years and fighting begins mm-hmm. and the Biden administration, the people in power or the Newsom administration decide that because of this emergency, we need to start taking people's guns away. Mm-hmm. What choice are you going to have except to go to war with the government? That's the idea that they would come take people's guns because they're a threat to the government. Don't you think that's kind of hyperbolic? I mean, they said that. (laughs) But aside from that, like, is that really something that we should be worried about? They took away everyone's guns in Australia when there was no violence happening. Mm -hmm. And so the people were kind of just like, well, that makes sense. Imagine them trying that with violence happening. With fighting happening. Almost historically, any, almost every, if you look at history, if you look at uh, Laos, Cambodia, uh, Turkey, I mean, the list goes on. This is pretty easy to look up. But every state-induced genocide that ever happened, Stalin, Mao, um, was always preceded by confiscating everyone's guns. That was like the first thing that they did. Yeah. Here's That's an interesting, interesting tidbit. Pattern for recognition. So... When the Spanish lost the war to the American Indians, mm-hmm. which most people don't think of it in those terms, but mm-hmm. the Spanish had to leave North America because the North, the Native Americans beat them. Right. A major reason for that was that the Spanish did not allow their colonists to be armed. Mm-hmm. And so they would just get their asses kicked by the Indians yeah. all the time. The Spanish military couldn't in, be there. In big part by the Comanches in that, uh, what is that, in Empire of the Summer Moon? Yeah. It's called? Yeah. yeah. It, it talks about that yeah. quite a bit. And the Apaches. In the Apaches, yeah. Um, on the East Coast, where the English were, they m- mandated that their colonists be armed because they needed them to fight kind of a, be kind of almost like uh, soldiers, mm-hmm. whatever you call that, uh, Proto-soldiers, whatever. Can you imagine a world where those colonists and the founding fathers would seek to overthrow their government, to quote Al Sharpton? (laughs) I know. Wouldn't that be wild? I know. Yeah. Uh, History will not look kindly on that. Yeah. (laughs) Conspiracy theory. So uh, I guess all that is just to say that uh, I'm extremely optimistic that we are going to be moving past this awful period right now. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that that is going to be uh, a pleasant, um, peaceful transition. No. But I do think that we are winning. I do think that probably in our lifetimes we will see a a changed world for the better. But uh, it's going to come with some cost for sure. Yeah, I remember going to school for anthropology, which (laughs) has not served me well financially in my life. Or at least uh, what I do for a living has nothing to do with going to college. But one of the first things that you learn, can you talk about cultural phenomenons? And one of the first things you learn that a true cultural paradigm shift is can only happen through crisis. Some kind of like, which is basically, as it refers to what you're talking about, a complete dismantling of what we have now. Which is, 
ironically, kind of what we're fighting against, which is Marxism, which is when you, when in critical theory, is when they pose yeah. like, all this shit doesn't make sense. I'm like, it's not supposed to make sense. It's like when they're continually changing the language, it's to keep you on your heels, right? right. They're, they're purposely making things undefinable, undefinable and so abstract that like you can't, you can't win the argument, right? If they say right. like, you can't say what, you can't define what a woman is, right? That's, that's, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because it's not supposed to make sense. Right. It's to have you on your heels. And so eventually you're like, I don't even know, I don't even understand like the language anymore. That's done with the intention. And this is like the core tenet of cultural Marxism is to, our system doesn't work. The one we're proposing, we don't, we can't say like, Hey, how about instead of what we're doing here right now, culturally, we do this because most rational, sane, critical thinking people would look at that and go, that makes no sense. Like, there's no way that would play out in reality. That's, the, that's why they rely on tearing down the system that's in place already to institute it, you know, or to replace it with this other thing with them in power, society built in their image. Yeah, exactly. But what we're talking about tearing down is the, this new structure mm-hmm. and going back to the old structure. Right. Right. So there's, I don't know. I'm sure when we get done, it won't look like it did in 1776, but it will not, it'll be a rejection of this Marxist rebuilding of our society. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Cause I was thinking how great it'd be if we went through this long winded, like dive through history and philosophy and culture just to end it saying like, and this is why we need to start using answering machines again. Uh, how about some transition music? <laughs> okay, sounds good. talk about ticks yes all right so as it and i'm going somewhere with this obviously unless you want to just give you a brief <laughs> history of ticks we should get one of those wheels that you spin with like random topics on it <laughs> all right uh, humble possum okay let's go <clears throat> so as it pertains to ticks us here on the west coast are worried about what uh earthquakes mm, close lyme disease ah right on the, are we yeah that's uh, like on when, the West Coast. When you find a tick like embedded in you, that's the that's kind of the go-to. But Lyme's disease, Lyme, Lyme disease, Lyme's. You know what? I have, I did hours of research on ticks. I still don't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> you think I would iron that one out? Isn't it much more common on the East Coast? Glad you said that. Yes. Okay. Is, is your answer? Because on, on the West Coast, we're still worried about it. I haven't ever worried about it. I have known, have you known anyone that's had Lyme disease? Yeah. Okay. It's a very mysterious, hard to nail down, hard to diagnose. It's the way I essentially understand it now, the more research that I did, is that it's more or less like an umbrella term. Yeah. Of like all, you know, joint pain and nausea and yeah. diarrhea. and. Some people say it's fake. Some people do say it's and, fake. And gay. <laughs> <laughs> and... And then so much so that uh, once you're designated, if a doctor says, like, you have Lyme's disease, which could mean, I mean, it's a myriad of symptoms. I mean, it's pages long of, like, all these different things. And they say, like, you probably have Lyme's disease, which we don't really know what it is. It's more of an umbrella term of all these different things. And then so if you 
some people die from this because it affects your organs, for example. And then they just say, like, just chalk it up under Lyme's disease. <laughs> oh, really? That's Which, how we're diagnosing things now? Does that sound at all familiar, by Dude, the way? Fuck. I just, <laughs> quick side note, I talked to uh, our buddy um, recently whose health hasn't been mm-hmm. great, and they can't figure out what's wrong with him. Yeah. And they finally given him some sort of diagnosis of idiopathic disease. Right. You know what that is? Uh, you just you they think, have no idea what it is. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, Sounds like Lyme's disease or Lyme that, disease. Totally. So, uh, for, you know, in fact, the bacterium from the tick that causes Lyme disease, Borrelio burgdorferi, right. uh, presents similar symptoms to another tick called the Lone Star Tick. Have you heard of the Lone Star Tick? Uh, is that a tick from Texas? It's no. What? <laughs> it's not <laughs> <Come> actually. <on. laughs> Dude, the conversation I had yesterday about this stupid uh, new tick disease mm-hmm. i was like that's only happening in texas right and i was like i really don't have any idea no but it has nothing to do with texas well supposedly the lone star tick is from texas as best they can tell but lone star is actually an acronym which stands for southern tick associated rash Ill- illness which the bacterium being called the borrelia lone star which sounds like a battlestar galactica ship or episode it sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me so but it's not. What are they, poets? Well, there's bullshit behind it. Yeah. Yeah, the name's bullshit. Science is more of an art than a science. It's more like a symphony when you really think about it. <laughs> just seeing an equation come together. I just love it when we have a really cool acronym, don't you? I don't know about you. This is the best first date I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> so the symptom caused by the Lone Star Tick is something called Alpha-Gal Syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. Alpha-Gal Syndrome. Alpha-Gal is a, is a sugar molecule, and it's secreted by the Lone Star Tick's saliva, and which causes a reaction. It's not nothing to do with alpha-male? No. Alpha gal. It's not a, no. Because I did read that and I thought, what the fuck? Okay. Okay. So this enters the human's bloodstream and causes a reaction. And it makes, it tricks the host's immune system into making your body essentially allergic to, severely allergic in some cases and mildly allergic to, uh, but predominantly red meat, but also pork, chicken, and sometimes all dairy products all put together, which... If you if you hunt, which you do and I do, um, ticks are like a, a, the amount of ticks that I've had to pull out of my body is like it's got to be in the thousands. Yeah, and if only we had been hunting ticks. And the idea of, of <laughs> cleaning up the ironic situation of being bit by a tick while hunting and then therefore becoming allergic to meat is <laughs> a little silly. Hindus might call it karma. Thank you. Thank you. So if you dildo, you know, Lone Star Tick and browse the recent articles, it's coming to prominence. It's been like more and more, you know, like lately. And the reason why this has been, this is from uh, NBC came out with an article. Uh, they're quoting some CDC data, but this is from July 27th of this year. Um, Alpha-Gal syndrome has increased in frequency by over 15,000 cases per year. So we have our base number of cases i think they originally recognized it in 2010 is there like there's this weird thing they named it alpha gal syndrome since then it's just upticked in frequency so it's going up 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 every year um going up exponentially so currently i think since they started recording in 2010 we have like roughly half a million people with this alpha gal syndrome so we're gonna do something a little different is we're gonna pay off usually we work up 
to the scary question at the end. <laughs> we're going to start out with a scary question, and then we're just going to Tarantino that shit. We're going to go back, back, back. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, I already know the answer, but is, is uh, just shut off your mic. I got it from here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Uh, would you say there's an aggressive campaign from the usual authoritarian lunatics very good very good to get people to stop eating meat specifically in the name of climate change of course so you think of your bill gates your world economic forum your justin trudeau's right um i just you know was thinking of like some examples of shutting down you know this this constant propaganda campaign that we need to stop eating meat it's one of the biggest contributors to climate change which is not true when you look into the details of it and you mean climate change (laughs) yes and so we see things like lab-grown meat no thank you by the way uh like new cricket and bug facilities popping up all over Mm -hmm. in canada they built some like like huge facilities of uh Tapping celebrities to tell you how delicious, you know, mealworms and bug larvae and grasshoppers are. Remember that Nicole Kidman video that you played? Yes. And, uh, you know, Bill Gates' GMO fucking freak show of a product, the Impossible Burger, which I did, uh, uh, you know, the you're familiar with Burger King and the Whopper? Yes. And so then they have the Burger King Impossible Whopper, mm-hmm. which was a collaboration with Bill Gates' Impossible Burger. Yes. And it's supposed to... I've seen it before. I will never put one in my mouth. But I've had it. Have you? Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty strikingly resembling a real burger. It even bleeds like a real burger. I don't think I could tell the difference between an Impossible Burger and a hamburger from the Ferndale Snack Shack. Which is a, one of the wildcats out there. Yeah. Well, it's like a it's a Costco yeah. burger that comes in that big roll. Yeah, with just like wax paper between each <laughs> one. It's so good. <laughs> I know, but they they tasted identical. The the Burger King's Impossible Burger has something called phytoestrogen in it, which is in almost all processed food. Um, do you want to guess the amount of times a phytoestrogen is in the Burger King Impossible Burger as opposed to the regular Whopper? Mm. So it is in meat. It's it, a little bit well because it's, it's processed in meat. Processed yeah, meat. Yeah, we're talking about Burger King, which I think is only. I think it's like 15% actually meat. It's mostly soy and just full chemicals. And the regular burger, the Impossible Burger, has 18 million times the amount of phytoestrogen. I was going to underguess that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Any sane person would. Wow. (laughs) You should have let me guess. But that being said, you know, strong argument. If you're eating either one of those things, you don't give a shit about what's going in your body. So I guess that fact was for no one. True. True. We are going to play this little clip, which I'm sure you heard, but this is going to set up what we're about to talk about. There, we have this intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. Um, uh, and there, some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu- human engineering can to you pause it? make it the mm-hmm. case that we're in. <laughs> is it possible <laughs> that just by hearing the sound of someone's voice, you can make a judgment about them? Y- yes. I want to hurt this person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I will send you this video. Check out the comments. They're pretty priceless. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. I just, go ahead. 
intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of uh, ad possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Climate Another change. So. Uh, did the bovine tick, since uh, you are the resident expert, Lone Star tick, sorry, yeah, uh, okay, as a test, uh, as our uh, <clears throat> resident expert on the Lone Star tick, Lord help us all, can, was this in existence uh, before recently kind of coming into the news, like a hundred years ago, was there this thing, this Lone Star tick that could bite you and make you the allergic alpha to alpha-gal syndrome, the first recorded yeah. case, it was officially recognized in 2010. Is when they oh, really? Yeah. That's not that long ago. Yeah. No. Uh, it does not sound like it's been around <laughs> since time right. immemorial. Right. Okay. We're tracking here. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, this, I forget this guy's name, but he's a bioethicist. Uh, by the way, what whatever that is, I guess. I know. You asked that question on the group text. <laughs> and fuck is a bioethicist? I was about to come up with a snarky answer, and I couldn't. I was just like. <sighs> yeah. I guess no, maybe him and the uh, director of inclusion would have a lot to chat about. Bio it, with it went camping uh, if camping wasn't racist. That's but this, like saying like, like I'm studying the uh, the ethics of gravity. Like, what? Mm. 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 Just don't see how the two things can be smooshed together into one word. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm at like a Manhattan cocktail party right now. <laughs> uh, this guy is. Uh, I think the speech was from davos but he's definitely he's connected with the world economic forum which should shock no one uh and i also was thinking about what this guy said the you know everything i was talking about with the impossible burger the the bug burgers the uh, cricket processing facilities the, the the prop the war against meat which we are seeing uh also eating meat is racist i don't it's a form of white supremacy i don't know if you knew that of course i knew that yes what i look like and then i started thinking of the food compass i'm like it's a little light in the old meat there in the top tier, I've noticed, like <laughs> in lieu of honey nut Cheerios and different kind of processed foods from big ag and big pharma companies. So let me ask you this. This is the question, and we're going to go backwards from there. How far outside the realm of possibility would it be to consider that the same people who have no problem bioengineering viruses calling for depopulation uh, running experiments to block out the sun, bioengineering mosquitoes, mandating experimental mRNA technology, which results in plummeting fertility rates and heart attacks and the new thing, turbo cancers. Are you going to talk about anyone besides Bill Gates <laughs> yes, in this segment a, right here? A litany <laughs> of characters involved okay. in this. And, you know, or if you wrap up all those deaths from the experimental, you know, mRNA technology, you know, known as the COVID shot, which uh, is lumped into something called SADS, Sun Adult Death Syndrome, which wasn't a thing when I was in grade school. You? Uh, not that I recall. Or college. No. Or, fuck, two years ago, and I think about no, it. SADS used to be uh, seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is real. Yes. So That's why you should never trust anyone from Seattle. How far outside the... Yes, you're right. How far outside the possibility... Or Alaska... Would it be to consider that these same authoritarian psychopaths would bioengineer ticks to cause an, an allergy in the population that would result in the forced behavior modification that they were already outward calling for, that being to get people to stop eating meat? Worst case, best case scenario, even if they had nothing to do with it, 
they them hearing about this would just give them a fucking yes. huge boner. Yes, there's a new <laughs> variant. There's a new variant. Yep. So do you remember our discussion? Little sidestep here, but I think this kind of sets it up. Do you remember our discussion on compulsory moral bioenhancement? Oh, yeah. And then I dug up that article, where did that thing go? And they talk about, you understand, like, what's, like, the basic of compulsory moral bioenhancement? <laughs> it's uh, doing immoral things to people in order to get them to comply with your idea of what is good for society. Mm -hmm. Um, without their knowledge, mm -hmm. um, but justifying it by doing it to everybody mm -hmm. so that you can call it moral, even though it's exactly the opposite of that. Right. It's, or I guess the short way of saying it is like for the greater good. Yep. Right. Which, and Which then, anytime you hear that, you should be <laughs> say, extremely suspicious. No, go yeah. the other way. And I, which I think the, the most glaring example is the COVID shot. It's like, we got to do it for the greater good. Like, I'm, I, I already had COVID. Like, I'm not worried about COVID. I didn't even know that I had it. Like, I just found out because I had an antibody test. Like, why would I take this shot? That makes no sense to me. Like, well, it's for the greater good. I'm like, that's not an answer for me. I need you to explain. Like, you're angry at me for not taking the shot. You need, you, the impetus is on you. The onus is on you, rather. Like, mm -hmm. you have to tell me what, what the problem is here. And then do you remember we, we found that article... Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, compulsory moral bioenhancement should be covert. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Like a long time yes. ago? Yeah. And he explained, he's like, yeah, well, for the greater good, like it, it shouldn't even be like a choice you make yeah. should, and you shouldn't even know about it. Yeah. So then it's like, what, what do you see the problems for this as? Like this, what's, what's your argument against? Like it should just be, it, it should be covert. Like when you are born, like you, you give your kid over and just like, yeah, give him every, every shot, whatever you guys think, you know, is you're outsourcing, not, not only your critical thinking, but your knowledge of even what is happening to your body or your family's body. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of times these things that they're recommending are not actually safe. Yeah. And some of these things more <laughs> effective. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's like giving your, let's say you have a kid and you give your, like, here's my newborn, do whatever you think is right. Give him the COVID shots, the, bo the boosters. Uh, now he's allergic to meat. Uh, he'll never crave drugs, alcohol, you know, uh, tobacco products. Here's a, give him some, a little bit of Ritalin. That's going to make yeah. him more attentive in school. In a free and, society, those things are done voluntarily. Yes. Because if it is for the, it is for the, for your good, then you choose to do it. Yeah. And then the problem being that, you know, you are outsourcing, you know, without your knowledge, as I was saying, that the notion of morality, at least within the context of health, to the government, the most, the biggest crime syndicate in the entire world, the people with the most blood on their hands are responsible for the most deaths in world history. Go the like, most you're theft. in charge of morality, most theft. Yeah. Most I mean, counterfeiting. The, the list goes on and on and on is you're going like, let's put you in charge of morality and just whatever you guys think is right. Right. And, when you see stuff like that in an article like this, like compulsory moral bioenhancement should be covert, you go like, tell me your status without telling me your status. Like mm -hmm. that is the most bootlicking perspective I think right. I've ever seen. And the problem is also is go like, well, where does it stop? Because you are, if you're outsourcing your idea right. of morality to someone else, it's going like, so what's, 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 what, what are the, what are the issues? Climate change. Okay. What else? 
alcohol, alcohol and drug use. Oh, okay. And people shouldn't eat meat. And like, problem is you, once you cross that line or your brain is so dysfunctional that you already think that way, which would make you a statist, it, it reminded me of like when you have discussions with people about like hate speech laws. And you're like, well, we, sh- we need hate speech laws. And you're like, explain that to me. It's like, well, you shouldn't be able to use hate speech. Who defines hate speech? It's not just you and your hysterical Facebook thread that you got going because there's a long line of people well, behind Why you. shouldn't you be able to use hate speech? Right. Well, because it leads people to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, those bad things are illegal. Yeah. So we already have we laws already, against We that. can already punish that. Yeah. See our gun laws, by the way. Yeah. And so, in case you're listening and going, God, I hope they don't ever actually cross that line mm-hmm. of doing these things, these uh, covert compulsory uh, moral bioenhancement bio <laughs> <laughs> measures. They're already doing it in a lot of different forms. And I don't even know, I don't know what you're about to, to say, but one of them that I am always hung up on is the idea of cloud seeding. Mm-hmm. Spraying shit into the atmosphere to try to get clouds to form. It doesn't fucking work, mm-hmm. but they're still just doing it and trying to, to make it happen. I thought chemtrails was a conspiracy theory. They have on mountaintops in the Sierra Nevadas machines that shoot this aluminum yes. sulfide or whatever it is up uh, that just like these guns that spray fucking chemicals like into the air uh silver silver nitrate silver nitrate yeah yeah it's like which, come, which is my my normie like first card to play like okay where'd you get that uh it's on the usgs website they've <laughs> been doing it since the 90s just, it's like it's not your error to spray shit into right. even if it's harmless like you just take it upon yourselves to just do these things without the rest of us getting a say in it yeah i just it's it's horrible the, and they they're the government acts like they are our parents that are doing things for our good and that's not who they're supposed to be you are laying and, out the the perfect case for when we are constantly talking about this this idea of statism is not this abstract like boogeyman. It's like this is it's a it's a way of thinking. It's, it's people that are willing to relinquish their critical thinking, their decision making, their morality now, as opposed to the, you know as it pertains to this article, to somewhat a government bureaucracy that starts all the wars and steals all the money and murders you know its own citizens and warrantless wiretaps and turn our you know through the Patriot Act and turn our country into a surveillance state. And you go like yeah. That's and whatever else you guys want to do, I'm okay with that too. It's it's a it's it's such a perverted way of thinking, and it's something that we always talk about in here. It's when you have discussions with these people, it's almost impossible. It's like you're speaking another language to them. It's like you, you just can't crack that nut because at the end of the day, at their core, the fundamental core of their ideology is it's like I know the that mommy and daddy is the government is the state at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and whatever they decide, if they say I need to keep taking these boosters over and over and over. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, it's for the greater good. Can't eat meat and so be it. Okay, so back to ticks. (laughs) We got sidestep there. Is, so to address the proverbial, like, NPC normie that we were just talking about, you know, because I have these arguments in my head, which would be the internal dialogue that we talk about, which uh, 40% of people don't have, (laughs) according to that last study we saw, is they go like, Dude, weaponizing, weaponizing bioengineered ticks, like, doesn't that seem a little kind of out there? A little Alex Jones's, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like, what's next? Like, the frogs are turning gay? Yes, they are, actually. Here's this study from berkeley.edu. But you, you can say, like, it does sound ridiculous. You're absolutely right. 
So does the idea of disemboweling a cat and putting recording equipment in there and turning his tail into an antenna and training it to walk around the diplomat benches of foreign embassies to record conversations. Operation Acoustic Kitty, declassified in 1975. Yes, you're right. Those both sound really fucking ridiculous. Where would I get these ideas from? So then the question becomes, is weaponizing bioengineered ticks outside the realm of possibility? And we're going to build the case that... Not really. Uh, it apparently was not for Representative Chris Smith from New Jersey, who was responsible for passing a bill in 2019 that the Inspector General of the Department of Defense was to investigate the Pentagon about their experiments of weaponizing bioengineered ticks between 1950 and 1975, which perfectly aligns with all the MK Ultra and the CIA programs that were declassified under the Church Commission mm-hmm. in 1975 uh, on a place called Plum Island. You ever been? No. It sounds lovely. Yeah. It does not sound lovely. <laughs> why, why does that sound so familiar? Because I've been looking at this tick stuff? Because I've been talking about it for like two weeks. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> Plum Island is a small island in Suffolk County, New York. And Oh, right, right, right. It's right. where Lyme's disease was mm-hmm. came from? Mm-hmm. Okay. And this investigation also... Spoiler. Also covered our old pal, Fort Detrick, Maryland. Mm. which uh, there's pretty strong evidence that was the first signs of the coronavirus right before the World Military Games in 2019. And did you see the Tucker where RFK Jr. was telling him that the anthrax no. came from Fort Dietrich? Really? That he was like, it, and Tucker's like, oh, wait a second. What? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that anthrax came from Fort Detrick, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And Tucker even was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> After I tell you what Heard I... Heard it here first. <laughs> For once. <laughs> You'll hear it there next week. <laughs> fucking thieves. <laughs> um, I don't want to connect dots that aren't there, but... Remember when we talked about Fort Detrick? I mean, it's got a pretty sordid past. Mm-hmm. We talked about the, I don't know, we could call it like a lab leak theory in 2018 mm-hmm. when they first saw like coronavirus, like before coronavirus, yeah. it was serious like respiratory, flu-like symptoms right before the World Military Games mm-hmm. in 2019. And do you remember where those World Military Games were held? I want to say Wuhan, China? Yeah, Wuhan, China. You ever been? <laughs> no, I hear it's <laughs> nice this time of year. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they all grabbed a quick bat lunch at the wet market before they all competed. But let's look at <laughs> Plum Island. <laughs> That's scene in Three Amigos. Are you, <laughs> they're eating bats. <laughs> Are you going to eat your wings? No. Here you go. <laughs> How do you like your bat, Dusty? Medium rare. So we've already done a deep dive on uh, Fort Detrick. So we're going to look at Plum Island. And to look at, about, to look at Plum Island, we need to do a couple of fun pack dives on, as we usually do, the CIA, the Department of Defense, the USDA, Nazis, and Lyme disease. All right. So as I was saying before, like Lyme disease is, is like a kind of a mystery disease. It's just all yeah. these different things. It's like 
he died from SIDS or SADS as it, as it is now. And when someone dies from one of these ailments that they are previously designated as having Lyme disease, they just chalk it up to that, as I was saying before, which is oddly similar to... You made a mistake COVID. there, and I just want to correct it yeah. in case uh, Jake catches uh-huh. on. Yeah. SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, mm-hmm. is another one that turns out is just um, from babies, like, uh, sleeping on their backs mm-hmm. or something. But at the time that the... No, what is it? There was... What is the thing that was actually killing the baby? I think it was that, sleeping on their... Something like that, yeah. Their backs. No, it was... Uh, Allegedly. Fuck, I shouldn't have brought it up because I don't remember. But I remember learning about that and going, wait a second, this isn't an actual syndrome. Yeah. It's people doing something stupid. It's it's just a term like, uh, it's just we kind of put everything in this category yeah. and here's the name. Idiopathic diagnosis. For example. Yeah. Sorry. See, see the COVID death statistics. So Lyme was originally discovered in an outbreak. Um, it was originally misdiagnosed as ju- juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and this was in the mid-'70s. And the first outbreak was in several uh, southeastern Connecticut towns, which all happened to sit directly across the Long Island Sound from Plum Island, right? As the crow flies. I think it's like nine miles or as the crow flies carrying ticks, maybe we could say. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. I don't think that changes the distance. No, no. So this doesn't prove anything, but we can keep adding facts, right? And then feel free to draw your own conclusions. But so since the early 50s, Plum Island was designated. It wasn't called Plum Island back this time. They didn't officially name it Plum Island until, I can't remember, like late 50s, I believe. Uh, back then it was called Terry Island, I believe, or something like that. But the, the, it was originally like designated as a governmental animal re- disease research facility under the USDA, and it also was a military biological warfare research f- facility. Mm-hmm. This is beginning in the 1950s. Now, we also know, according to CDC data, this is where we start like putting some shit together here, 95% of all Lyme's disease cases reside in 14 states. And the majority, almost all of those states are the ones all closest to Plum Island. So Connecticut, New York, you know, all New Jersey, all those areas, right? Mm-hmm. That's today. It was true back then and it's still true today. Now, we also know that one of the... Have you heard of a guy named Eric Traub? No. Okay. There's no reason you should. Okay. <laughs> or I. I should be outside working in my garden, but I'm doing this instead. We also know that one of the prominent scientists working in this facility in the, er- in the early years was a scientist. It was a man named Eric Traub. Eric Traub was from Germany. Now, Traub began his bio-warfare bio research in the U.S. prior to w- WW2, World War II, at a place called Camp Siegfried in Long Island, which is 30 miles from Plum Island, right? And he was on a fellowship to study viruses and bacteria from the Rockefeller Institute. What could go wrong? And I like talking about this because he, we started World War II, right? And so he went back to Germany, right, to fight for his country. And this made me think about, remember watching the Trump derangement, the Trump hysteria, and, like, we live in a place that's basically an ideological monolith and everyone mm-hmm. believes the same thing, and you'd watch that, like, demented feedback loop because, you, you know, like I always, always say, you don't have that conservative uncle just saying, like, hey, 
that's not true or I just want lower taxes doesn't mean I'm trying to bring slavery back or right. like whatever it is. And you, you, you could play a game. You could watch these people just, it, it always came, it, all they talked about was Trump. And you just sit there and like kind of watch the conversation and you get like more demented and could just go get more and more irrational because there was no mechanism of correct, of correctiveness. You yeah. had to go like, uh, I think you guys are getting a little off the rails. Right. And what would you eventually hear is like, you'd wait for it and you, then this is when I'd like to pop in say like, He's literally the next Hitler. Yeah. Trump is literally the next Hitler. And you can go like, literally? Like, I don't think you guys know what that word means. And he's literally the next Hitler. Like, he's moved to Germany. He has an army. <laughs> now, if you showed me a picture of him behind a Ukraine flag, you know, heading the Azov Battalion, okay. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> you know, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I stand corrected. He's literally the next Hitler. And But when we see this, it's like, we're talking about literally... A Nazi scientist. This guy's literally a Nazi scientist. He went back and he worked. He worked. He was number two under Heinrich Heinrich Himmler, who mm-hmm. was Adolf Hitler's like number two. So he was like number three down the down the chain from you know Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. So in this case, this that's correct to say he's literally a Nazi. So <laughs> <laughs> you can celebrate that. So the focus of his work. He ran, once he went back to World War II, he headed, he was a chief, uh, lab chief uh, of a place that was much like Plum Island, except it was in the Baltic Sea. And like now he's working under the Nazi regime. And what he was working under, what he was working on there were programs to develop deadly viruses and bacteria that could be dropped from planes that were occupied Russia at that time. Like this is, this was this guy's life's work. Now, after the war, we had all these Nazi scientists. Do you remember what happened to them? Operation Paperclip. Operation Paperclip. And so the CIA went to work. We're like, well, all these, some of the most brilliant minds in the world are, are looking at, they're, they're going to be executed under the Nuremberg trials at this point for, for war crimes. And then the CIA, being just the diabolical motherfuckers that they are, say, like, what if we brought them back in exchange for, like, look, we won't put you to death, but you have to work for us for now on. You know, that was also done, you know, I mean, you understand this, but in the utilitarian sense, like why, why execute like one of the most brilliant minds in the world? You know, it can work for us. It was also done in just that typical Cold War era fear. The CIA is like, well, if we don't get them, Russia will. And so like, let's just bring them on all over here. Yeah, but they also didn't choose just to kill him. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I mean, he was a Nazi, but I mean, who isn't these days, right? Am I right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you go there, Rockefellers, <laughs> Prescott Bush, IBM, the first functional computer was made to uh, keep track of the tallies in the concentration camps. <laughs> that was, IBM, that was the first official computer. Really? Early. Yep, 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 yep. That's so a lot they, to keep track of. So they bring over all these brilliant minds to work for the CIA and the military, and then you know they bring them all over and like, hey, you're a, what are you, a rocket propulsion guy? Like, yeah, you go there. And like, what do you do? You, you, you drop deadly pathogens from airplanes like you're here like what do you do uh you just you know how to fake a moon landing yeah, yeah you're right down the hall there <laughs> it's like so we brought all these nazis over under operation paperclip now this wasn't done in perpetuity this is like they had like a sentence to work for the cia and the and the u.s military and so in the case of eric traub i think it was only from 1949 to 1953 that he officially worked at Plum Island, but from there he went from, uh, and again, it wasn't called Plum Island back then, is they renamed it, and he, um, 
he was at the ceremony, you know, at the, what do they call it? The inauguration? Inauguration, thank you. The, you know, officially name it Plum Island and everything. Mm-hmm. But the, it, uh, under, um, under the CIA, like it started its, I think in like 48 or 49, it originally began its operations. And from there, Eric Traub went from, even after his sentence, quote unquote, was done at um, Terry Island or would become Plum Island, he was going back and forth to, he was still going to Germany, coming back, going to um, Fort Detrick, Maryland. They were all kind of working together after the war. And then in 53, he went back to um, West Germany and opened up his own lab, but to continue the exact same research that he had been doing. And then then he was working in direct connection with the DHS and the CIA and the the U.S. military and the USDA, because USDA was also running the Plum Island program there. And they were constantly making trips over to his lab over there just to see what innovations that he was coming up with, you know. And he was always coming back to the U.S. to go to Plum Island Terry Allen, and Fort Detrick. So all these guys were working together on the, on the exact same programs. It was biowarfare enhancement programs and uh, animal kind of research stuff, which that was the USDA's role. So in the 70s, uh, a guy named, he was an attorney general at the time. His name was John Loft. He was hired under, they decided to crack down on the war crimes during World War II. And he was hired under the Office for Special Investigations under the Justice Department to investigate the Nazi war crimes. Now, he was given top secret access to all the, uh, the documents from things like Fort Detrick, um, the documents that they could recover from Germany, and the Nazi, specifically, the Nazi scientists brought over under Operation uh, Paperclip and the work that they'd done in Plum Island, mostly Fort Detrick there. And so he immediately saw this guy, Eric Traub, and then he just, he disguised, he just discovers that one of his main programs was bioweaponizing ticks and figuring out how to drop them from airplanes onto, um, like, enemy territory. Sure. And they were experimenting with all the different diseases that ticks could possibly carry and, you know, using them as, as basically a weapon of war. So unless all of this is completely untrue, and this was a, this was under the, um, Office for Special Investigations under the Justice Department, unless they're completely lying, then that answers a question like, is it outside the realm of possibility to think that our government would bioweaponize ticks and use them as a weapon of war? That makes sense? Yeah, obviously that's what they're up to. Yeah. So there's an article in the Journal of Degenerative Diseases, which sounds like a great thing. It's a nice light reading. Keep that in your bathroom. <laughs> yeah, so I read it on vacation. It was, a, it was really nice. Uh, the author's name is Marjorie Tetchin, and she noticed, like, through going through all this medical data, that 60% of chronic Lyme disease, and this gets a little inside baseball here, but 60% of chronic Lyme disease cases also have a co-infection of mitoplasma, the most common being something called mitoplasma fermenting, fermentin, rather. Now, mitoplasma fermenta just happens to be a man-made pathogen for which the U.S. military has a patent on. Hmm. So 60% of Lyme diseases that we see today have that mitoplasma on there. That's a little hard to explain. See where I'm going this? So let's recap. They're experimenting with weaponizing ticks as far as the mid-70s that we know of. And the first recorded cases of Lyme disease were the closest non-military residential towns. Everything closest to Plum Island is where we would see the beginnings of Lyme disease, and we still see the predominance still here today. 
right? And so without going into too much detail, Plum Island eventually became so contaminated because of all just generating, like, what's the most deadly shit in the world we can keep working on? Like, eventually it starts to take a toll on your workplace. Yeah. (laughs) And they... Plant life around that (laughs) island was pretty grim. (laughs) And so the the USDA and and U.S. military went to work trying to decontaminate or clean up the island, right? And they're just trying to clean shit out, taking dirt out and everything. And then it got to the point where we have to just tear everything down. We're going to tear it down and rebuild. And they did that. Tore everything down, buried it, shipped it into the ocean, whatever you had to do, and rebuilt the entire facility. When they're done, they're done with the facility, they did all those testings. Like, dude, it's still, it's, this place is so dangerous. Like, it wasn't until over a decade ago that the USDA, with the help of the DHS, this is in right around 2010, right about the same time that we saw the first cases of the Lone Star Tick and the Alpha-Gal syndrome you know, being recorded by the CDC, they moved their entire facility. They're like, we, we just got to move somewhere else. This island's fucked. Like, we're just going to kind of leave it here. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, but it is fucked up. Over I don't know if we built this on, like, an Indian barrel yeah. ground or what. Yeah, we're going to have to move our facility somewhere much cleaner. <laughs> So, like, around, as I was saying, 2010, when the first... Like, if the, if the people were really in charge of the government, it would be like, no, no, <laughs> you're fucking staying there. You want another you either, island? You clean it up, they're like the, or you just deal with it, all right? Like no, you're not fucking moving. They're like the drunk stepkid whacked out on pills. I wrecked yeah. my car. Huh? Oh, let me get you another one. Like, no, yeah. I'm not yeah. getting you another. You're yeah, not you, getting another island, all right? Yeah. That's out you of the Fix question. the one that we gave so, you. Okay, well, we gave you a nice island. You fill it up full of bioengineered weaponized ticks. This is what you get. You laid in your bed, mister, and you go ahead and sleep in there. You're going to work dressed like that? I would do some high socks, probably tuck your pants into the socks around there, and definitely long sleeves. So, reminder, the first recorded cases of alpha-gal syndrome were in 2010, and it is just, like, skyrocketing up, you know, by over 15,000 cases per year. We're at pretty much half a million now. Want to guess where they moved the, and this is where we get to the Lone Star Tick conversation. If they moved that facility in 2010, and this was kind of the beginnings that we became aware of the Lone Star Tick disease, and they're moving this new facility to do the exact same research, right? You want to know where they moved that facility to, where the new one got built, like right before 2010? Where? Manhattan. Manhattan, Kansas. Ah, dang it. Ever been? No. (laughs) Smack dab in the middle of the country. Uh, have you ever heard of Manhattan, Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. You know what it's known for? No. Nothing. So, <laughs> so let's go over real quick. What, what does alpha-gala syndrome do? Uh, makes you allergic to meat. Makes you allergic to meat, which they want. The global psychopaths, the lunatics, yeah. if you will, mm-hmm. want us to stop eating meat. But people won't stop eating it. Now here we have this mysterious illness through a vector of something that has been proven to be weaponized by the U.S. military and the CIA to create the pathogen or whatever, that we want to spread this new thing. We're going to use the tick here, right? Now we have this thing, the same animal, the tick, is basically magically, coincidentally pushing the behavior modification that they want, which is for all of us to stop eating meat. Manhattan, Kansas, and all the insects, uh, surrounding areas where this known for is beef and pork production 
they produce 45% of the grain-fed animals that are available for U.S. consumption mm-hmm. and 40% of the pigs. This is what kind of Kansas is known for, but Manhattan, Kansas is kind of like the hub. Like, it's right in the middle of it. So, that being said, enjoy your steak, kids. That might not be a thing in a couple of years. With an Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to 